Hello, wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. My name is Joseph Matichich, uh, Secretary for the Seventh Adventist Church in South Australia, and I'm delighted to be able to be your host for the program today. So welcome along to our program, wherever you may be joining us today. Our text line number is 0488 That number again is 0488 We'd love to hear from you wherever you might be listening. Uh, Tell us your thoughts, your comments. Welcome to a new week on Drive Time. Our topic this week is the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. And uh, joining me today is Pastor William Mawala, my co-host here uh, in the studio. William is the pastor of the Paravista and the Gawler Seventh-day Adventist Churches in Adelaide, South Australia. Good afternoon, William. Good afternoon, Pastor Joseph. Glad to be here in the studio with you. Yeah, it's great to be able to kick off the week together again. And um, I wanted to quickly ask you, how was your weekend? Weekend was good. Um, Yeah, Saturday we were at church and uh, had a lovely time at church. And um, Sunday is uh, family day. So, yeah, pretty much spent the the day with um, my wife and my little one. I think we went and did a bit of shopping in the morning and... Lazed around the couch all day, pretty much. <laughs> Just took it a bit, e- t- took it a bit easy. Yeah, we took it easy. So yeah. no, yeah, pretty relaxing time on the weekend. And uh, it's good that you're able to to go out and do a little bit of shopping because William, we are aware of the fact that um, for many of our listeners in lots of places around Australia, they really aren't able to to go out and about, um, being being in, in lockdown or uh, uh, you know, facing a lot of restrictions. Um, so. We in South Australia have been very fortunate, haven't we? Yeah. But um, we do think of people that are that are in lockdown. And um, uh, again, um, if you are in lockdown, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Mm. And uh, we do hope um, that by tuning into Faith FM, it'll not only give you an outlet, but more than that, it'll be a really be a, a blessing to you. And um, yeah, William, you you um, you commented off air earlier that um, you've got uh, someone that's yeah, a friend that's that's really unwell with uh, with with COVID. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's concerning. Yeah, a very close friend of mine. He's in Sydney. He's in hospital right now, and he's um, he had COVID, and um, yeah, he was basically in ICU about just over a week ago. Oh. And so he's been in hospital. He's been on the ventilators. And I just got word just yesterday that um, he's he's basically overcome the COVID, but it's, he had pneumonia as well, mm. as well, and that really caused a lot of problems. So he was basically fighting for his life. Uh, that was the the reality of it. So yeah, he's been um, in hospital now, and he's. Just had a, a surgery to open up his lungs so he can breathe a bit better because he was very heavily dependent on the ventilator machines. So, um, yeah, look, it was very, um, the whole Togan community in Sydney, um, all praying for him. Yes. And it's, it's brought me and my friends closer. We've been praying for him each night online. And yeah, you know, like we were saying, you know, um, you see all these statistics on the, on the TV, but then when you know someone who actually has COVID and is fighting for their life, it just makes it all the more real. And just to be more, you know, just, just to realize this is a real thing that we're going through. And um, 
so yeah, my thoughts and prayers go out to David and his mm. his family. He's got a wife and I think five or six kids, so he's got a big family. Wow! And no doubt they might they must be um, just waiting for dad to come home. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And yeah, we think of um, any time someone's going through a hard time, mm. we, we, we think of them. And yeah, anyone that any of you that might be listening uh, right now, if you if you're going through a bit of a hard time, we we want you to remember that we're, that we are here thinking of you we 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 pray for for you and we pray that you will know that no matter what uh god is there mm. uh reach out to him and uh we want to bring you we want to bring you hope and uh here on faith fm we we, we want to encourage and point people to to the hope that we do have in god that mm. um uh he is he's there for us and ultimately through him we have uh the we can have the assurance of peace um, through the good news of the gospel of Jesus and more than that the um, the promise of a new heaven and new earth when, when Jesus comes back Amen. and so yeah we, we think of that uh, for you. Now William with um, our, our World Watch segment I, I wanted to share uh, something that, um, that caught my uh, well uh, caught my attention a little bit here. It was a report just uh, a few days ago um, about a um, uh, a person that responded in an interesting way to to this scenario. The, the, the title here of this uh, news article says, uh, "Women's bikinis dubbed pornographic by angry dad." Oh dear! Uh, now <laughs> let me let me read it. Uh, an angry beachgoer has slammed a group of nine women for wearing bikinis that he dubbed were pornographic. It says here, uh, footage. There was footage of this irate dad um, who came up to a, a group of. Um, uh, ladies on the beach. Uh, this was in the in the United States, um, and he he confronted them and and sa- said to them, "Why do you dress this way? Uh, that's a thong and that's a bra." He said, "Take take young guys into consideration. They don't need to see pornography right in front of their eyes." Um, it goes on here. It says that laughing, one woman can uh, reply to him and said, "We're not coming up to you, bothering you. Please leave leave us alone." Um, another one said, oh, "I'm at the beach in my bathing suit." Um, this man, uh, the article here says, later identified as a gentleman by the name of Logan Dawn, continues uh, continued talking to these ladies by saying, "You are flaunting your stuff." Uh, the woman replied, "I'm not flaunting anything. You don't don't look at me. Uh, close close your eyes." Um, <laughs> and I kind of thought, "Wow, this is a, quite an interesting confrontation on 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 the beach, William." Yeah. Um, and um, let me go on a little bit here. Uh, Logan then uh, told the women that in America there's freedom of speech, and then th- this is where it got, kind of got interesting for me, William. And he said this. Uh, if men of God don't stand up, then society will go down the drain as there is no morality. And so uh, from that, William, I thought, aha, uh-huh, this, this sounds like this, this gentleman, Logan, uh, it would, must be a, presumably a Christian, um, and uh, he's, he's, he's come across on the beach, the, these ladies uh, dress, dressed Quite skimpily, and uh, he has he has felt that he needed to to point it out that he needed to go up to these and uh, tell them that he mm. did not believe that the way that they were dressed was what was appropriate. Mm. Um, uh, so you know, for him to be say say that uh, men of God uh, saying that uh, need to stand up. Um, uh, it, it reads here that the, these women replied that they uh, that they are atheist. Um, and um, 
and but he went on and said, "I'm speaking the truth. Uh, your body will never satisfy. The physical uh, physical never satisfies. There is a longing in each of your hearts to be seen. The reason you are showing your body is to say, I is to say, am I pretty enough? Uh, and so he's he's, mm. he's sort of really uh, yeah. continuing here uh, with, with these uh, with, with these women. Um, uh, then um, it, it, later on in the article, um, Logan um, Logan really defends himself. Uh, he, um, he 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 shares. He, he said he says I want to share my side of the story. Uh, about this video that's now going viral about me that's saying I'm harassing women. He says, um, uh, I had just come off the water paddle boarding and somebody in my family said, hey, you've got to move. There's some college-aged women here and uh, showing too much and I don't want my son or daughter to see these things. And then Logan said this. Listen to this. He said, right then and there, I felt a righteous anger come over me and also just a boldness by the Holy Spirit to go and confront these ladies and to speak truth that what you're wearing is not okay for a nine-year-old boy or a six-year-old boy. He says, the reason being... Uh, is, is uh, the reason being is, is being introduced to pornography from a young age destroyed me, and in that moment, a righteous anger came over me to defend and protect young eyes, to clear everything up. Logan says, "I'm not going to apologise. I'm going to continue to stand on the truth and the word of God." Mm. Logan, so here we have this, you know, quite a interesting kind of article where uh, this guy uh, marches up to these women. Out on the beach, um, sun baking, no doubt, and uh, he really confronts them about about what they're wearing. So, William, you know, what I want to ask you is: uh, is this how God wants us to confront people? Now, you know, we if, if we're Christians, if we if we're, we're Bible believers, and uh, we understand certain things from God's Word, and we see how other people are living, uh, see their actions, or see what they're doing. Is this how we should go up to people and and confront them to to, to tell them that what they're do, doing is wrong and uh, and really uh, boldly like this like mm. this person? What do you think? Yeah, look, while I um, probably firstly, if I could say, probably a, a in in a very generous term, if I could p- applaud the gentleman for, in the very least, in his mind, he's being sincere. He's he's doing what he believes the Lord. You know, is calling him to do. He he felt he felt that impulsion to you know to communicate to those women. But I don't know if that's the most effective way because you know there's a couple of texts that come to mind when I'm thinking about how we communicate to others. There's a text in um, Ephesians um, where Paul says to speak the truth in love. Okay. So there's that principle. Um, then there is another uh, text in uh, Colossians where uh, chapter four where Paul says again, "Let your speech always be with grace and seasoned with salt." So if you kind of took that principle and applied it to this story, was he being gracious? Was he speaking truth in love? I don't know. That's up to our listeners to um, make that judgment. You know, when I think about Jesus, um, Joseph, he had such a love for people that when he told them it was coming from a heart of love mm. and he sincerely wanted them to be saved. You know, I think about in Matthew chapter 24, 5, when Jesus was basically berating the Pharisees, you know, mm. the woe to you, scri- Pharisee scribes. I think it's chapter twenty-three. 
Um, and one commentator on, on this, um, she makes a statement that, yes, Jesus denounced the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, but she says that tears were in his eyes when he said it. So, yeah, I think when it comes to evangelism, when we, let's just say someone in our own family, when we see them maybe doing something that we know may not be necessarily um, the right thing to do, you know, it really comes back to us. What's our motive? Um, do Are we just wanting to correct them for, just to say that, that you know, almost like in a power thing, or do we really come from a place that we really are concerned for them? So it sounds like you know, for this guy, he just kind of acted, kind of in the moment. Yes, maybe I don't know what he thought to himself as he reflected, <laughs> but I think we all learn, and that's part of evangelism. We we say things in maybe not in the right time, and uh. we, we kind of reflect. Yeah, maybe I couldn't have. I maybe should have withheld from saying that. Or, but I think in general, we are to communicate. As the Bible says, speaking the truth in love, having their best interests. And I think in context of relationship, so he just met these women, like he would probably never see them again. Okay. But if you're, if you're trying to witness to people in your circle of influence, I think as you earn, earn their trust and as they, you develop a relationship, you are almost, um, creating that atmosphere that almost you, uh, you you have that platform to share. You're not just walking in and pointing out someone's sins, but you know it's it's as you grow deep with them and they trust you, you trust them that you know you've got to a point in your relation with this person that you're able to say the the hard things. So I think that's more of a general response. But this guy, um, yeah, look, he it is what it is. <laughs> How those women went home, you know. If, and, if, and, if this and is if this is a representation of Christianity, I was just going to say. Yeah. I was just going to ask. You know, wh- as they those women went home, what what impression have they yeah. been left in their minds of 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 Christianity yeah. and and I guess of of, of God in, yeah. in general. Um, I wonder what our listeners think, uh, William. I'd love yep. to hear from you. Please, please tell us what you think um, to to this question. How should we point out sins in other people? Love to hear from you. Uh, text us on 0488 880811. That number again, 0488 880811. Love to hear from you. How should we point out sins in other people? In light of uh, this gentleman here who uh, marched up to these uh, young ladies on a beach and uh, he, he said he felt a, he said that he felt a righteous anger come over him and a boldness by the Holy Spirit to confront these ladies and to speak the truth and uh, he he refused to apologize about what he did uh, he felt that he had to stand for the word of God is that is that how we should uh, speak with with people? Is that how we should go up to them? We who who might be believers, we who might be Christians, l- love to hear from you. So yeah, just just uh, text us through uh, right now. L- l- love to hear from you on our text line number oh four double eight double eight oh eight double one. How should we point out sins in other people? And um, as you as you get onto your phones and text us through, we'd like to um to uh, to hear from you and and see if um yeah we we can um yeah share share uh, share with others some of the responses that 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 come uh, come through, um well look 
let's let's take a break. And uh, as you listen to this piece of music, um, send send us through your your feedback on our text line number. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, let's enjoy uh, this beautiful piece of music. Who will be Jesus by the Forbes family? You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. She's gone. Now he's spending his first Sunday sitting in the pew alone. There are whispers all around him. His heart breaks in two. He's wondering who will reach out and help him make it through. Who will be Jesus to him? Who'll show the love that restores him again? He doesn't need a judge, he needs a friend. Jesus to him. Searching for a love that will be true The Savior cries for her to see Himself and me and you Who will be Jesus to her Who'll show the love That's commanded in His Word Will she see in us the mighty God we serve Who will be Jesus to her When they look at us, do they see Jesus there? Who will be Jesus to them? Who will show the love that restores them again? They do not need a judge, they need a friend. Who will be Jesus to them? Who will be Jesus to them? Who will be Jesus to them? And uh, that's just what we've been talking about before the break and looking at this incident of this uh, gentleman um, who confronts these these ladies uh, about uh, what they're wearing and uh, felt that he had to point, point it out and, and confront them about that. And uh, yet this song uh, challenges us. Who will be Jesus to, to them? Who, how will you and I be Jesus to, to other people? Uh, you're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time, big Q&A with myself, Joseph Maticic, and uh, my co-host, William Mawala. Uh, William is the pastor of the Paravista and the Gaula Seventh Adventist Churches uh, here in South Australia. And uh, we have a, a an offer uh, for you today. It's a, a great book that's called End Time Living. And um, I'd like to, uh, to really share about this book with you a little bit. Um, it's written by Mark Finley, 
a well-known author, a great writer, a speaker with many years of experience in television broadcast, and um, you you will not want to miss getting this offer. End Time Living uh, is a book that's about essential truths for troubled times. The past is still with us. All of us live with the consequences of choices we made back then. What choices are you making today and how do you want to live your life in the future? Uh, this little book, Braid Book, will help you uh, and understanding how to find faith and hope and how to uh, trust God even in a crisis um, and to find hope in God and his word. End Time Living. Um, if you'd like to get today's offer, all you need to do is text uh, the code word SA. 16 to 04 And the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply asking for your details. So text SA16, that's the letters SA, and then the numbers 16 to 04 Well, this week we are looking at the topic of the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. And I'm delighted that, William, uh, you are uh, are able to uh, kick us off uh, today as we look at, um, I guess, the specific question today, which is, was the Protestant protest a mistake? Now, a couple of big words there. So let's let, let, maybe if we can um, uh, just even explain what, what we're meaning here when we when we say th- these terms, the, the overall uh, topic for the week, the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. What, what, it, what do we mean by ecumenical? So essentially ecumenical, um, what it basically means, Joseph, it's, it's the concept and the principle um, basically in which Christians who belong to, to, say, different Christian denominations, they work together to develop closer relationships among their churches and promote Christian unity. So that's, that's what it is in a nutshell. It, it's the coming together of Christians from different faith groups to uh, develop closer relationships and to promote unity. So I guess the key word in when you hear the word ecumenical, is this idea of unity. Okay. And then at an initial level, when you first got to hear that, you kind of think, well, that, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Yep. I mean, didn't even Jesus uh, pray you know, that they all may be one? Yep. And, you know, one of the biggest things that people have issues with, with churches is that there's so many you know, churches and denominations and, you know, um, you know, they're all, you know, none, they can't get on, it seems like, you know, why so many? So, um, what's, what's, what, yeah, what, what, is, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, well, yeah, and it's a good point you raised, Joseph, because on the surface level, it does sound, um, biblical because Jesus prayed that prayer in John 17 that we all may be one. Um, Paul talks about a one faith, a one Lord, and one baptism. Um, so this concept of unity is definitely a biblical concept, uh, in the New Testament, in the Bible. Uh, God Himself is is in one in unity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But as as our listeners are going to uh, hear from the rest of our presenters this week, uh, especially um, on Wednesday when uh, Pastor Gary is going to be looking at um, is the ecumenical spirit the same as biblical unity? So you don't want to miss that because he's going to really unpack that. Although it yes. sounds good on the surface level, yeah. is it really the same as the unity that? That is portrayed in the Bible, and okay. it's going to be a very 
interesting. I know Pastor Gary is passionate about this uh, subject, and he's written extensively on it. And so, um, yeah, so we, we just want to kind of open, uh, just to let our listeners know, that's what the, the overall theme is, the ecumenic, uh, sorry, ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. So uh, when I hear that, uh, Joseph, I think um, post is something afterwards. So we are living in a post-biblical world where, you know, in generations past, the Bible was, you know, generally accepted by uh, the society. People lived according to the principles of the Bible, where today's culture is vastly different. That's right. People are skeptics now. People don't believe. In the in this idea of um, of 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 truth and and whatnot, so um, so yeah, so this idea of the ecumenical spirit um, that's something going to be looked at um, so through the different presentations. Whilst it sounds like a good thing, yep. uh, we need to actually just be uh, yeah a little bit more discerning about it. Yeah, good work. And uh, yeah, so really looking forward to that that program coming up uh, later later this week with uh, Pastor Gary Hodgkin. I know that he has done. A lot of research actually yeah. in this area. It, it's really an area of his specialty and, and, and real passion and interest. And so, um, yeah, really, really looking forward to that one. But, um, to, to kick us off, uh, to kick us off, uh, William, we, we are looking at, so we're going to go back in history, William, uh, because when we look at this whole issue of, I guess, ecumenism, we, 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 we want to go back and, you know, recognize that there was a time when there was a significant uh, could we say a significant divide, a shift? There yep. was a development in history, and um, we're we're looking at the the Protestant Reformation. Mm. And today's specific question, our big question today, is: Was the Protestant protest a mistake? Mm. Interesting question. Yep. Interesting question. I mean, um, it, it's it's kind of implying that. You know, what, maybe it was a mis- mm. was a mistake uh, in the sense that uh, Protestants and Protestantism that that uh, that started back in history um, that the reason it started back then may not be as valid or necessary these days. And so, I guess that's some of the things we want to look at. So, William, tell us, okay, wh- wh- what do we what do we mean by this? I, you know, yep. define for us what what do we mean by Protestantism, uh, and and give us a bit of an overview of the Protestant Reformation first, sure. so that we can then evaluate whether it was a mistake or not. Yep. So let me begin firstly with um, basically a basic definition: what is Protestantism? So essentially, what Protestantism is, um, Joseph, it's basically a Christian religious movement that began in uh, somewhere in Northern Europe in around the early 16th century, and basically. What, why it's termed Protestant because there's essentially a protest. It was a protest or a reaction uh, against the medieval um, Roman Catholic uh, Church at that particular time, uh, specifically dealing with their doctrines and practices. Okay. So, okay. so, so it's, what, it's a protest against yep. the, the, the generally the teachings and the practices of of the Church of that time, which yeah, medieval churches as it's known, or the Roman Catholic Church, right? Yep. So um, let me just go a little bit deeper um, with a little bit of history. I know that um, just to kind of sh- show you where this term came from, because I think it's interesting for our listeners and to kind of um, catch this important part of, of this uh, the history of this, how it developed into this word Protestantism. So, so the name Protestant, it actually first appeared at the, the Diet of Spire in, uh, I think it was the early 1500, 1529, I believe it is. So basically... Um, 
uh, diet just simply means assembly. <laughs> uh, when I first was reading all these diet of worms and diet of this and diet of that within the uh, early medieval church history, I was like, what diet? Like like losing weight? A diet just means an assembly. Okay, like a and meeting. So, yeah. All right, Dave. So a meeting. So basically, there was a particular meeting, this particular diet of spire uh, in 1529. Uh, basically, what happened back then, the Roman Catholic Emperor of Germany, Charles V, um, he rescinded the provision of the Diet of Speer in 1526 that allowed each ruler to choose uh, whether to administer the Edict of Worms. Now, not worms like worms on the ground, but Worms was a place in Germany there. So which banned um, Martin Luther's writings and declared him a heretic and an enemy of the state. Now, I want to get to Martin Luther in just a bit, but before I get to him, just want to catch this little historical uh, footnote here. So on April 19, 1529, a protest against that particular decision was read on behalf of 14 free cities of Germany and six Lutheran princes who declared that the majority decision did not bind them because they were not a party to it and that it forced to choose between obedience to God and uh, obedience to, to Caesar, so to speak. They, they must choose a, a, obedience to God. So here's what happened, Joseph. They appealed either to a general... Uh, council of all Christendom or to a synod of the whole German nation. So those who made this protest became known to their opponents as Protestants. Okay. And gradually the label was applied to all who adhered to the tenets of the Reformation, um, especially those uh, living outside Germany. So in Germany, the adherents of the Reformation uh, preferred the name Evangelicals and in France, the, the, the Huguenots. Huguenots. Um, then a little later, the name was attached, the name Protestant, I'm saying, was attached not only to the disciples of Martin Luther, who I want to chat with in just a tick, but also to the Swiss disciples of uh, Zwingli, uh, and later to John Calvin. Uh, the Swiss reformers and their followers in Holland, England, and Scotland, especially after the 17th century, prefer the name reform. So I know there was a little bit of a history to go through, but essentially what it started was a group of princes and a particular meeting where the, the Catholic Church basically pronounced a, uh, an edict to kind of condemn Martin Luther and his stance. These, uh, these particular princes said, no, we don't agree with that. And then those within the, the Catholic system at that time looked at those people as protesting, which was interesting because mm. initially I originally thought of pro, pro, the Protestant Reformation really starting from Luther, which, which ultimately he was the, the, the one that really kicked it off. Yeah. But it's interesting here that it really was, um, began in one of these, you know, these synods, these meetings where they, some who are opposed to basically uh, denouncing uh, Martin Luther as a heretic. Um, so that's a little bit of history, um, kind of, and William, giving your definition of uh, Protestant. Yep, go ahead. W- William, you, you, you touched there on the fact that, um, you know, there were, there were people like uh, Zwingli and, yep. you know, um, and, and th- we're thinking of, of people, so we're talking about what, yeah, 11, 12, 1300s, 1400s yeah. onwards, uh, people who were seeing what was happening in the church, seeing practices, and uh, and felt that it wasn't aligning with the Bible, yeah. and were beginning to speak out. Yeah. And I think that's probably the main uh, good point that you're raising, Joseph, because that's really, if you really boil it down, the Protestant Reformation was really reaction by people such as Martin Luther who saw that the the church and its position of the day was against the Bible. Okay. That's really what it boils down to. So if our listeners forget, if you just totally 
didn't catch what I just read on history. The Protestants were really protesting, um, particularly Martin Luther, who really spearheaded the Reformation. Um, he was reacting against the church of his day, which was the Roman Catholic Church. Um, so, so a Protestant, when you just think of the word out loud, it's a protest. It's a, it's standing up and saying, "Hey, this is, hey, I, I don't agree with this." So mm. it was very much a a, dis, a decision to stand up against the church authority at at that time, particularly in the medieval church, which was only Rome, which was the Roman Church. What at at what risk was it for them to stand up to, to point that Good out? Good question. We, so, we think of people, someone like uh, Jan Hus, uh, you know, the great, great, yes. great Czech reformer. What did it cost him to stand up? Yeah. So what you're doing there is, Joseph, it's great that you said that because the reactions of the Reformation is, is you know, really what happened was that the Roman Catholic Church really came down hard on, on heretics. Okay. And they would basically be killed. Yes. Um, there's no other way of explaining it. Yep. And so you had the Inquisition, you had people being basically burnt at the stake and yes. all of this church history that some would uh, adhere to it as the Dark Ages. Um but um, so essentially, you're asking the reaction was you don't fall in line with the established church. Um, your life was literally on, on the line. Yeah, yeah. And and so for Martin Luther, um, and if you read some of the writings and you know kind of how it all went about, he his intention wasn't to leave the church. He wanted to kind of um, highlight some of these concerns he had, and he didn't necessarily know that he was going to mm. be this ma- martyr. And start a whole branch of, I guess, Christianity in a sense, which is Protestantism. Yeah. N- not that he was died a martyr or such, but um, Luther, you, now you touched on Luther, so tell us, who was he um, and, uh, you know, w- what did he do? Yeah. So, so Luther was basically, um, yeah, he, uh, he died around um, 1546, so mid-16th century. So basically, he was a, a German professor of theology. Uh, he was a priest. He was an author. He was a composer. Okay. Uh, but so he's quite, more known for, uh, he was a monk, generally. Okay, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he is best known um, as spearheading what we would call today the Protestant Reformation. Um, and there is a church today that resem- that bears his name, Lutheran Church. Okay. Uh, so, just a couple of quick uh, tidbits about um, Martin Luther. So, he was ordained to the priesthood in the early 16th century, in 1507. But what Luther, I mean, there's a lot you can share about his, his background, his early life. But what really brought him to the forefront, Joseph, is he rejected several teachings and practices of the Roman church. And what were some of those? So one of the probably the biggest one that he reacted against was this the the teaching of his day on this view of indulgences. Um, indulgences being so indulgences was basically uh, was a teaching in the church that basically what they were teaching was it was a way for them um, if you would pay the the Catholic Church particular money that they had this particular teaching called uh, purgatory, yeah. which to my understanding and I. Don't believe it's biblical. No. But there was a teaching that if you paid the, the church a particular type of money, that they, the priest would pray for your dead loved ones, deceased ones, and they would escape purgatory and basically get them out of there. So it was really like a fear-mongering tactic of, of Luther's day, and I think Luther saw through all that. And uh, basically, um, he reacted against that that teaching. It wasn't biblical. It was, wasn't was found in Scripture. And so... Um, 
he basically um, reacted against that, and he was known as as he's famously known as uh, his 95 Thesis, where he went to the Church of Wittenberg in Germany and he posted 95, the 95 Thesis as we call it today, but basically 95 points that were that he saw as in direct opposition to the Bible. And so that's really what brought him into the limelight and what brought him in the, in the crosshairs of the, of the established church. And it's from there that he really began to stand and basically um, denounce uh, some of the teachings that the the Roman Church were doing at his time, but again, just want to stress: is was the Protestant uh, Reformation a mistake? Um, here's what it really boils down to, Joseph. Um, if we're going to go by the Bible, mm. then the Protestant Reformation was an absolute necess- necessity. Okay, because what you're identifying there, William, is really interesting. You you have given a bit of an insight into the fact that that the church of the day really had uh, had become this almighty institution that it yep. that it had uh, uh, deviated from from the key teachings of Scripture that it had. Uh, Introduced these other ideas, such as what we just touched on there, indulgences, uh, which really goes directly against the the clear teachings that forgiveness of sin is is through Jesus, not not by yeah. not not by payment of, of money or, or anything like that. And so, um, w- what we're finding here, William, is a church that it may have started okay in the beginning, yeah, uh, but over time has has de- morphed into this thing, has, has drifted away. Um, it, it, it had been formed, but it, 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 we could say, um, it, it put in si- simple terms, um, it, it had uh, deformed, and therefore it needed to be reformed. Yep. And uh, hence we have uh, people such as Martin Luther standing up, speaking up, speaking out, pointing out these things from the Bible uh, to, uh, to 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 the to the church leaders and, and to people. Yep. And so, essentially, what we're talking about today in our today show, Joseph, is this idea of um, was it a mistake? Well, if you talk to say our Catholic uh, brothers and sisters, they would say that yeah, probably it was a diversion in a way. But um, you know, it's look when I was actually reading a few articles leading up to our program today, and. And I was quite interested to find that, because um, it's been some 500 years plus now since um, Martin Luther's, um, you know, since they actually date the Reformation to October 31, 1517, which is the date that he okay. um, pinned the, the 95 Thesis. So 500 years or so later, here we are, and there's talks now of, and I think this is where Pastor Gary's going to come uh-huh. in, this whole ecumenis, ecumenicalism to kind of bring everyone back together. Okay. And, you know... That is very interesting in light of what prophecy says, as you you know very well, Pastor Joseph. Mm. So, what it really boils down to, I mean, there's a lot that can be said on this, the, the nuances of the Reformation, what, what exactly was he protesting. It really boils down to this. Martin Luther stood on the Bible. Okay. He was basically saying that, I want to live according to what the Bible teaches. Yes. You see... What people need to understand is, and we're going to go to a break in a couple of minutes, but the, the, the reformers had, I guess, what you could call, um, um, Joseph, they had five central teachings of 
what we now call the Protestant Reformation. Okay, so these are like the the, the pillars. The, 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 the pillars. This is essentially what Protestantism is all about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we want to have a look at those, William, because we want to look at those and say, okay, uh, therefore, seeing that, th- does that mean that what these teachings are, are they right or necessary? And, and therefore, was, yep. was, was Protestantism uh, or, the, or the Protestant Reformation, in, in, in fact, a, a mistake or yep. not? And, um, yeah, so we, we do want to actually go to that and, and have a look. But, um, William, as you indicated, we do need to take a break. Yeah, now, go for it. Um, before we go to the break, William, I, I want to remind our listeners that we have this um, a, a great book uh, that we want to offer. Um, it's called End Time Living, by uh, written by Mark Finley. Uh, it's a great book that will help you understand not only um, the, uh, the key Bible teachings, but it'll help you explore things such as the power of prayer, um, even uh, to understand and learn about you know, Jesus who's coming back again. Um, end time living is our giveaway that that we want you to have, and um, and so if you'd like to get today's offer, uh, all you need to do is text the code SA sixteen. That's the letters SA one six to o four double eight double eight zero eight double one, and then the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply asking for your details. So just text the code. SA16 to 048880811. Let's just enjoy a little piece of music uh, before we come back to our program here. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time. Of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount, I pour there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse. Within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace God's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace God's grace grace that is greater than Sins. 
grace that is greater. That's Bart Millard. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time, BQ&A, with Joseph Matichic, and I'm joined by William Awala, my co-host. And uh, we're looking today at the, uh, the issue of was the Protestant protest a mistake as we explore all this week the uh, the concept of the ecumenical spirit in a post-biblical world. And uh, William, before the break, we, uh, we we delved into this topic by going going into history, didn't we? And and looking at uh, what what is Protestantism. Um, you you pointed out to us there, William, that um, uh, as we go back in, in history, we 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 look at um, the fact that the the medieval church had really kind of institutionalized that it had it had um, uh, moved away from key biblical teachings. And, uh, and that there were a number of godly people who, who saw what was happening in the church, who saw what was being taught. Then they'd look at the Bible and, and see that there was just this, uh, disconnect. They, they would see, hey, something's not, not right here. And they would speak out about that. And, uh, there, there, there was also, I guess, the whole issue of the fact that the, the Bible was not available to common people. Um, there was very much that the, the clergy, the religious leaders held control and dictated to people what they were to believe and told them what they were to believe. And so there were, there were various people mm-hmm. and, um, we, we have a, a number of them recorded there through history. People like Jan Hus and, Ulrich Zwingli and yep. um, others who who then risk, literally risked their lives to help get the Bible translated uh, in, into language that people could could read for themselves, uh, because people many people didn't realize they, mm. they weren't able to have the scriptures for themselves and understand what the Bible actually taught. Before the break, you you took us to Martin Luther, a German monk, the uh, Catholic priest who who. Um, had no intent to to start a, a new church, let alone an entire uh, entire movement that that that's now developed, which we know as Protestantism, and all yep. the churches that that are considered as Protestants essentially mark their mark their genesis from from that time, don't sure. they, William? Absolutely. Um, and uh, we have specifically Lutheran Lutherans, but many others, uh, Baptists, uh, and uh, and so on, and um, and so we wanted to ask that question: Was the Protestant protest a mistake when they were protesting mm. against against mm. the teachings. I guess it boils down to a question of authority for me, Joseph. And I guess the I guess what I want our listeners to kind of uh, consider when we think about the Protestant Reformation is, and it's, it boils down to this statement that I want to share with our listeners today. If we want to go by the Bible, then the Protest the Protestant Reformation was an absolute necessity. Now, again, I'm not trying to uh, point fingers at anybody. But you see, essentially what a Protestant Christian is, and I believe this is true till to the, today, a Protestant is someone who believes in the Bible. And what I want to do in the, the, the few minutes we have in the reign of our program, um, Pastor Joseph, um, I want to just share with our listeners that when we think about Protestantism, there are essentially five central teachings that the, the reformers, Martin Luther and Calvin and others, that you could say this is what they believe. This is, this formed the core of their understanding. This is why they protested. This is where they were not going to compromise on their particular stance. And it boils down to the, to this. So what does it mean to be a Protestantism? So these five major teachings of the reformers, uh, by which they distinguish their beliefs from those of the Roman church of their day. And, uh, 
These are, it's the five solas. So it's solar scriptura. Now, uh, obviously, it's a Latin uh, terminology. So solar meaning only, uh, only or, yeah, or, or alone. just, yeah. yes. And, and we we today say solo or you know, yeah, we, English word still has a derivative from yep. that. Yeah, okay. So the first one was it again? Solar it was solar scriptura. Solar scriptura yep. meaning meaning the Bible and the Bible only. Okay. So when we think about that, the scripture alone speaks author- authoritatively, and that's what Martin Luther was. So um, passionate about mm. it has we have to derive our teachings and practices from the Bible. So when he saw indulgences and he saw other th- things that were uh, being t- taught and promoted in the church, he was saying, "No, no, no! That the Bible doesn't teach that." So, sola scriptura. Second one is sola gratia, or by grace alone. Okay, and by grace alone. So mm. we got by uh, sola scriptura, the Bible alone. So yeah. uh, look, that 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 would make sense. That, that there has to be a foundation. Uh, on which all our beliefs and teachings are, are taught, and and it has to be the Bible and the Bible alone, yep. uh, which reminds us of the words of Jesus: "Man does not live by bread alone, but by by every word, every yep. word that proceeds from the mouth of God." We need the the, the word of God. Yeah. Yep. Uh, was the Protestant Protestant a mistake? No. If if we take the sola scriptura. As one of its tenets? No, it wasn't. Mm. Second one? Second one is sola gratia, which is uh, by grace alone. And essentially what uh, this taught was that it is only by the unmerited favor of God that Christ went to the cross and paid the price for man's salvation. So and the Apostle Paul picks this up in Ephesians chapter 2, that we're saved by grace. And it's going to flow into our third one that we're going to look at very quickly. So, sola scriptura, uh, sola gratia, which is by grace alone. The third one, uh, Pastor Joseph, is sola fide, or by faith alone. And so, what that the teaching uh, essentially says is that uh, only total uh, righteousness is acceptable to God, and that is found in Christ. Um, man can only accept Christ's work by placing his trust in him. A uh, man is justified by faith alone in the work of Christ. So it's our faith in Christ that saves us, not in a system, not in dogmas, not in a good works, not in works. It's purely by grace through faith. And Paul actually says this quite beautifully in Ephesians mm. 2. For by grace, that's sola gratia, yes. are you saved through faith, ah. sola fide. So you're, it's your faith in God's grace. So, in other words, it's salvation is purely a, an act of God's grace. It's a gift to us, and that's what the reformers stood on. So, sola scriptura, sola gratia, number two. Uh, the third one, sola fide. We got two more. So, just on those three. So, so far, we, yep. we're clearly seeing that these are clearly at the heart of of, of Christianity, of, yep. of, of of biblical, true biblical teachings. Yep. William, there's there's th- th- these were absolutely essential. Yep. We we could say so. It wasn't a mistake. It was essential to to yep. have brought these these um pillars, uh, yes. biblical pillars out. Yes, please go. Um, and the, the last two there is a uh, number four is sola Christus, or I mean, may not pronouncing it the right, but basically. But Christ alone. Okay. So salvation, Pastor Joseph, according to the reformers, is accomplished by Christ alone, mm. mediated by Christ alone. So Christ for the Protestant, he is the central figure. He's the one that saves us, not a man, not a pope, not a system. It is purely by Christ, in Christ alone. And that's what the reformers stood for. And so for the Protestant, it, it's salvation is found 
through Christ, and that's what the Bible teaches. Exactly. That's why Martin Luther and, and the passion and the and the reformers were so passionate about this because it's what the scriptures taught. Um, so you got sola Christus uh, Christ alone, and then the last one, solio Dio Gloria to God alone be the glory. God should be thanked, praised, and given full credit for His sovereign grace and His provision. So when you look at all of these five, um, Pastor Joseph. Obviously, there was going to be some tension because the Catholic Church, or the Roman Church at the time, if you look at, go through them, they didn't teach sola scriptura. They taught sola scriptura plus tradition. Ah, now, okay. Uh, we could share a little bit more with the succession of the popes and their understanding um, of this this idea of succession through the Apostle Peter and their understanding of um, the continuation of the priesthood. Um, but but look, it really boils down to this, Joseph. I can't stress this enough. If we want to go by the Bible. If we want to be biblically authentic, then Protestantism was an absolute necessity. Say that that again. If we want to be biblically authentic, then Protestantism was an absolute necessity. In other words, you are saying uh, that if, if if you're going to take the Bible seriously... Then Protestantism was absolutely essential. It was, yeah, yeah, it was absolutely essential. And to kind of ask our question that we shared at the top of the show, um, was it a mistake? Well, if you want to go by the Bible, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a mistake. No mistake at all. It wasn't a yeah. mistake. And, and you know, I firmly believe, um, Pastor Joseph, that that this was a God led. Um, God was leading through these reformers. Uh. They didn't ha- know everything. They didn't get everything right. It's not like Martin Luther was the gospel. Like he he shared the truth of his time. Ah, right. Okay. And I'm probably diverging into another stream of thought. But the point he is here is there were men and women, and I think this is fascinating, Joseph, because the there were men and women who literally died because of their faith in God and His Word. And I find that as a pastor, as a Christian in today's culture, that challenges me, it humbles me. It does. That the Bible that you and I have, that we carry on our briefcases, that we have uh, numerous Bibles sitting on our library, there are men and women who bled. I mean, even the man who translated the Bible in English, William Tyndale, he he he, he got his bones, uh, you know, exhumed. He, he, That's exhumed. right. Yep. Why? Because he wanted to give the Bible to the people. Yeah. So what we're talking about, I'm hoping I'm, you know, we're just trying to, we're just starting this whole week's uh, uh, talks here on Faith FM Drive Time. Um, the Protestant Reformation was based on Christ, his, his saving work, uh, on the Bible, the, the Bible only. It, it, it's talking about faith alone. Mm-hmm. And I know these sound very uh, separated from its historical context. It seems like nice words. But when you look at it in its historical context of what was going on in Martin Luther's day, you can appreciate why he he was so passionate about it. Yes. Like today's culture, everyone believes in the Bible. I mean, pretty much. I mean, when I say that, I mean that we take for granted that what we have is we just had it all the time. So you, you've actually touched on the fact there that, that we we, we uh, don't realise, but we, we've inherited this and we just assume that this yeah, is how it is. Yeah, I like that word. Yep. But it was not always the yes. case. Um, the, if there was no Protestant Reformation, we would not be where we are today, yes. um, recognising the Bible as our as our foundation for all rule of faith and practice, yes. knowing that it is by grace alone that we are saved, by faith alone, through Christ alone, and... To God be the glory alone. Is that glory, right? Yeah. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so, to answer again the question one more time: Was the Protestant was Protestant, the Protestant uh, 
protest a mistake, I would I would answer that in the uh, affirmative. Uh, sorry, I don't know what word I, I use there, <laughs> but I would like to say it wasn't a mistake. <laughs> it, it was definitely not a mistake. Not a mistake. That, that's what you that's what you're really trying to say. And that um, it that if we're going to take the Bible seriously, it was a Absolute necessity. Yeah. Now that's that's really really good point there, William. Hey, look, uh, we need to finish up. Yep. I'm wondering whether you would mind just um, praying for us. Yeah. Let's yep. do that. Our Father, we thank you for the Protestant Reformation. We thank you that that there were men and women who stood for the Word, Your Word. We thank you for the rich history that that we stand on today. The shoulders of Martin Luther, Zwingli, Hus, and many others, countless others who gave their lives because they loved you and your word. Father, we, we thank you for this rich history. And as we begin this this theme this week on Drive Time, we pray for our listeners that they would have a sense of your calling on their life, that you're calling them to a relationship with you. Thank you for this uh, awesome privilege, this medium of radio to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all of our listeners. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It looks like our time's up for today. Thank you for joining myself, Joseph Matichich, and William Mawala. Invite you to uh, tune in again tomorrow when Gary Hodgkin will be with Eric Hall looking at the question, do all paths lead to heaven? I hope you can tune in then. But in the meantime, please remember what Christ said when he gave this promise. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you.